This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Now, if you have your Bibles in Psalms chapter 71, I'm preaching on this subject, When Storms Cloud Your View. This is sermon two in a series of five. I want you to notice with me in Psalms chapter 71, I'm going to begin reading in verse one. The Bible says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Verse 5, for thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. Verse 7, I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Verse 9, cast me not off in thine old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. And verse 18, now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not. Until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is come. This morning I'm speaking on this subject. When storms cloud your view. Now I want you to think about this. This is a sermon series of five sermons. And the series is entitled Pressing Through the Storm. Last Sunday, we preached sermon number one, and the subject was dealing with disruptive moments. Dealing with disruptive moments. Now, this morning, I'm preaching the second sermon, When Storms Cloud Your View. I want you to think about that just for a moment. I don't know how many times as a Christian, I don't know how many times as a pastor, along my journey, along the way, that I have found myself in such exhausting circumstances that the only thing that I wanted was to simply be held by the loving arms of our Father. Just simply to be held. You might say, well, you're a preacher. I can tell you today, friend, I'm not a well-oiled machine that just runs 24-7 without stopping. I can assure you of this, that the trials and the perplexities and the storms and the difficulties that you have in your life show up on my doorstep too. I don't know how many times that I have found myself just overly exhausted. Not only physically, but I have felt myself so overwhelmed spiritually 
where I felt like I just couldn't do it anymore. I just felt like that was as far as I could go, where I just simply wanted to be held in the loving arms of my heavenly Father. Most of you have seen hundreds of times the picture and the poem entitled Footprints in the Sand. In fact, there's probably a lot of people in our congregation today that have that poem on the, on the wall, hanging on the wall somewhere in your home. You have access to it. I don't know, you might have read it hundreds of times. And it's a beautiful picture. It's taken along the seashore. Four footprints exist and then all of a sudden they turn into two. And the story goes on to say that when you couldn't see the other, it was because that the Father was carrying you in the load. Let me ask you a question. If you are familiar with what I'm talking about, I wonder how many times you have wanted to be the person in the picture. How many times have you wanted to be the one who was being carried by the Father because you were going through so many adversities and you just felt like me sometimes. You felt like that you just couldn't do it anymore. Things were coming at you from all different directions. Well, let me tell you this. There is a remedy. The choir sings the song from time to time. There is a remedy. I'm thankful today that there is a bomb in Gilead. I'm thankful today that God just doesn't send us out there, forsake us, and just hope that we make it the best way we can. I'm telling you this. Let me give you some spiritual advice this morning. Whenever you get to the place where you feel like you are the person in the picture of the footprints of the sand, whenever you feel like you just cannot bear it another day, let me give you some spiritual advice here. I have found that the best thing that you can do in the times of desperation, the way that you can experience what that's all about, being that person being carried by the Savior, and it may seem so simple, but listen, whenever you get to the place where you just feel like you cannot do that one more time, let me encourage you to reach for your Bible. You say, preacher, that sounds so shallow. It sounds so simple. But let me assure you of something of this. And it's a great spiritual truth this morning. Whenever you reach for your Bible, friend, God is reaching back to you. It has been said so often that when we pray, we talk to God. But when we read our Bible, we allow God to talk to us. So when you feel overwhelmed, and I mean truly overwhelmed, you get to the place in life physically, spiritually, emotionally, you just cannot do it another day. Reach for the Word. It's spiritual medicine. It will help you. It will minister to you. Now listen carefully. I think it's very important to know a little bit about the background of scriptures from time to time when we expound upon them. And today is no exception. 
In Psalms chapter 71, I think it's important for you to understand the circumstances in David's life. Because what I have just described to you was happening in the life of one of God's greatest kings. In Psalms chapter 71, David is desperately wanting to be held by his loving father. He is wanting to be caressed. David is at the place in Psalm 71 where he doesn't know how he's going to take another step. Now I want you to think about this. In his life at this particular time, storms were swelling all around him. And so the thing he does, he reaches for his pen. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes these words of Psalm 71. Psalm 71 is basically a sequel to Psalms chapter 70. I don't have time to go into the background of Psalms chapter 70, but here's what I want you to understand. David, at this particular point in his ministry, is going through political issues, he's going through family issues, and he is also going through and dealing with the personal heartache of personal sorrow and tragedy as well. So you have to understand what is going on around his life at this particular point. It had been quite some time since David had felt the beauty basking in the sunlight of life. It had been a very long time since he had been at peace and been refreshed. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to that place? Where you felt like that there was only storms in your life. There was no peace. We talk about, we sing about the song. There will be peace in the valley. Maybe you have been through a phase in your life where you had no peace. You had no joy. David was there. I mean, have you ever felt like that there were times in your life, a season of time, where your life was nothing but a total eclipse? Well, there was absolutely no light at all shining on the dark places of your circumstances. Where things just seem to be dark and pulling you farther and farther into misery like a riptide. How many times have you have ever said, if it's not one thing, it's another. Maybe you find yourself in some type of adversity and before you actually can see yourself coming out of that something else comes your way and then something else comes you when you're saying you're you're looking around and you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on maybe you even start questioning God God what is going on here if it's not one thing it's another God help me have you ever been there that's exactly where David was And the, and the truth of the matter is this, these things were just snowballing on him. So if you have ever felt like that has happened to you or it may be happening to you right now, I want to assure you that you're not alone. It happened to some of God's greatest choice servants in the scripture. David was going through a painful process where one of his sons, Adoniah, was trying to take away David's authority as king, you think about that. I don't know if there's any more heartbreaking experiences for a parent 
than to see their children rebelling against the will of God. Now, now I believe probably one of the greatest sorrows of parenting is to know that we have a child who has not become born again. I, I don't know that there is a greater sorrow than that. To know that we have a child that is living in sin, who has heard the gospel, been exposed to the gospel. They've been in church, raised in church, but yet they have made no profession of faith. And night after night, perhaps you kneel at their bedside or you kneel at your bedside and you pray for your children to trust the Lord. Listen, there's probably not a greater sorrow in all the world than to have a child who is not born again. But secondly, there's probably no greater pain for a parent who has a child that's been saved, living the life of a prodigal, and rebelling against the will of God. You see, it was not the will of God that Adoniah become the king of Israel. That wasn't God's plan. Yet David's son was rebelling against him, trying to take away his authority. You see, God had instructed David to appoint Solomon to be the king. So that was the pursuit that David was in. He was following God's every breath. He was pursuing God's will and making Solomon the king. Adoniah could care less what God wanted. He wanted to be the king. David's own son. So this created not only political problems in the kingdom of Israel, but it also created family problems. And we all know how complicated that can be. David was nearing the end of his life. He was quite elderly at this point. Under his leadership, he had brought great power and stability to the nation of Israel, but it was not without constant struggle. In fact, that's one of the reasons why God did not permit David to build the temple. David was the architect. He was the designer. It was always in David's heart to build the temple, but God did not permit him to actually build it because the, his life was constantly circled with war and trouble and adversity. So although David was the architect, God had arranged it for Solomon to build the house of God. When you think about what was going on in David's life, he's now nearing the point of the pinnacle in his old age. But if you remember the story of David and how Adonai tried to take the authority away from David's kingdom. He wasn't the only son that tried that. David had another son whose name was Absalom. And Absalom tried to do the same thing. And that ended up with Absalom's death. And his death and his Trying to exert the authority over David created the death of many people. And so now, here's what you have to understand. In this Psalm 71, David is now in his old age. Two of his sons have tried to take the kingdom away from him. 
There are political issues as well storming all around him. And in this storm, David could not see how in the world, as king, he was going to take another step. He didn't know what to do. He was weary. He was overwhelmed. And in this setting, David was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the words that we see in the scripture, Psalm 71. And these words, we can see how David is suffering from the very core of his soul. Now, he was a mighty man. He had many victories. But you also need to remember that David made huge mistakes as well. But David got his heart right with God. And in his broken life, now made right with God. And I believe now at this point, David was truly known to be a man after God's own heart. And who was now, I believe, at the closest point with God and all of his relationship with him. Now he's old. He's being overwhelmed. He has been confronted by his two own sons. And now David finds himself desperately wanting to be the person in the picture of the footprints in the sand. Nothing more matters to him than simply being held in the loving arms of his heavenly father. He was pushing with passion to hear the words, well done. And let me say this, I want to encourage you to do that as well. As a believer, as a born again Christian. Listen, heaven's already promised to you. As a believer, because of God's pardon, you will not have to die and go to hell. Thank God for that. As a believer, born again believer, you will not have to worry about going to the place of outer darkness where the worm dieth not, where there will be an everlasting lake of sorrow. Listen, you don't have to worry about that. As a believer, because of the blood of Jesus, I will tell you that heaven is possible. Heaven is a reality for every person that has ever called upon the name of Jesus. Heaven for the believer is not a maybe soul, not a might soul, not a hope soul. Listen, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. You don't have to worry about heaven. But not all of us have the guarantee in heaven of hearing the words well done. That's another chapter, another story, another verse. David at this point in his life was pushing with passion to hear the words well done. And I encourage you today, church, listen, there is nothing any greater in the life of a believer who has promised heaven than to cross the finish line to hear those words. Paul said, Know ye not they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Listen, we are not just going to be given all of these rewards in heaven because we are a believer. But because we are saved, we work to glorify the Lord. We bear fruit. And it's upon that inspection of that fruit that we stand in his presence to hear those words well done. Now, at this particular point in time, David is overwhelmed with misery. 
And I'm sure that perhaps there's somebody in here today that might be in that same position. Maybe, maybe you're being overwhelmed with something today that's causing inner turmoil and interruptions with your peace and your prayer life. Listen carefully. Whether that happens to you seldom, whether it happens to you randomly, or whether it happens to you most of the time, let me assure you of this one thing, that trials and storms in our life is a serious reality. Even if you were somebody like King David of old, we're all still going to have them. None of us can escape them. Some Christians have the idea that being saved, it exempts us from them. We talked a little bit about that last Sunday, but please listen carefully. None of us as believers have immunity from storms. None of us. I don't care how, how much saved. Listen, when God through the Holy Spirit saves you through the blood of Jesus, let me tell you this. You will never be any more saved today and tomorrow. There's nothing you can do to make yourself any more saved. When you are saved, you're saved. There's nothing I can do to make myself more saved. But the truth of the matter is, there are times in our life when the devil comes against that salvation given to us so freely. None of us as believers, as saved individuals, people who have had our names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, doesn't matter how long you've been saved, where you were saved, who led you to Christ. Listen, none of us can escape. None of us have immunity from storms. None of us. When I got to thinking about that, We've got to constantly remind you. Say, well, preacher, you, you said just a minute ago that, you, and you asked the question, have you ever felt like that you took this step and there was trouble and you took this step, there was a problem. You took this step and there was sorrow. Well, that's me. And pastor, I don't understand it. Let me ask you to remind yourself of, of a spiritual truth this morning, and that is this. We've got to constantly remind ourselves that we are all, every one of us, imperfect human beings who are living in a fallen, sin-cursed world in a sin-cursed body among sin-cursed people. That guarantees trouble. There's no way to get around it. And if you do not realize this, when trials occur in your life, it will greatly cloud your perspective, your view on things. When David is writing these words, he's not writing in the form of a novice. His pen is moving firsthand in experience. Many of his trials, David had no control over. Yet some he did. And we will talk about some of those in another form of the message in the series to come. But let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. There are some things in your life that can overwhelm you at times. Do you understand that sometimes when you are overwhelmed, that things happen that you have absolutely no control over? There's nothing you can do about it. Yes, there are times that we create self-inflicted storms. 
such as was in the life of Jonah. We'll talk about that later. There are self-inflicted storms. But there are some of us who are sitting here this morning that you're saying, Pastor, I don't understand it. I had nothing to do with this, absolutely nothing to do with it. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all this stuff starts happening. Well, let me tell you, let me remind you of this. That's true. That's possible. That happens. Storm clouds can come our way because of ungodly people who come against us in our life. If you look at Psalm 71, verse 4, notice what David says. Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the, uh, of the unrighteous and the cruel man. You see, David had some unruly people that was causing him some serious anxiety in his life. I want you to notice that word cruel. David was saying these people were not only wicked, but they were spreading their wickedness. Some of us have to live our lives turned upside down because of ungodly, unchristian-like people who come into our life and to create disturbances. They may, listen, they may cloud your view for a while. They may paralyze your joy. They may wound your spirit. But let me assure you of this, that if unruly and ungodly people come into your life to cause you trouble, which you had absolutely nothing to do with, and let me tell you this, as a born-again believer, don't spend your nights wondering how you're going to get even with these people. Don't spend your time figuring out how you're going to get back. Listen, you turn it over to God. You let God deal with it. I can tell you this, God can deal with it a whole lot better than you and I can. And in the fullness of time, he will. Storms come our way because of ungodly peoples at times. Secondly, storms can come into our life because of an unknown future. If we let it, worry can overwhelm us. Worry is a tool of the devil. Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto the Lord. He was saying this unto God. He was saying, don't worry. In Psalm 71, verse 9, notice this. He says, cast me not off in the time of old age. He was saying, God, I know you have been with me in the valley of Elah. You've been with me in the days of the Philistines. You have been with me, God, in all the many battles you have been with me. But God, I pray, in my old age, you will not forsake me. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. Now in this passage, David was now not only struggling with the inner turmoil of his sons, but he's also thinking about the whisper from the devil, the adversary who is now bringing his age into question. David's storm at this particular time was not a group of unruly people. The storm he was dealing with in this passage, Psalm 71 verse 9, this storm had no face. It had no voice. David began to worry in his soul about his age. I think the older we get, that's the possibility. That's a little area where the devil can get into our life. Last Sunday morning when I gave the invitation, my father stepped out of the pew and he came forward and he began weeping on my shoulder. He was not weeping on my shoulder because I was his son. He was weeping on my shoulder because I was his pastor. 
I don't know how many of you have ever thought about this. But there will come a day when I as his pastor will have to preach his funeral. There'll come a day one day I preach my mother's funeral. My dad told me a long time ago, he said, this many, many, many years ago when they first came to Buford Road Baptist Church, he said, said I, I want to join the church. He said, I want to be a part of this. This is, this is amazing. He said, but you know, I'm struggling with one thing. I said, what is it, Dad? He said, somewhere down life's road, when's my time to go? I don't know if you'd be able to do it. But I need a pastor to preach my funeral. Looked my daddy in the eyes and I said, I promise you today, God would so lead you to do that if he would stand me up. If he would breathe into my body. If he would give me strength. I will do it. He came forward. He prayed. I prayed with him. And that's, that's, that's amazing because I just asked him a couple of days before that. I said, how you doing, Dad? He said, I'm doing fine. He said, I got to go into the hospital and get a catheterization. He said, but, you know, he said, ain't no big deal. So we go to the hospital and he's sitting out there with us. We're having prayer and they take him in to do the cath, and just about an hour and 45 minutes later, the doctor comes out there, and he's walking to the chairs where our, our family was sitting. He was shaking his head. He said, listen, I can't do anything for you, Father. He said, he is 90% blocked everywhere. He said, if I were to try to put a stent in your dad, he said, this is what I want you to understand. It would be like me trying to put a straw through a rock. He said his calcium buildup is everywhere. He said, there's nothing I can do for him. We're going to have to send him straight up to the surgical waiting room. He's going to have to have surgery in the morning. And when we went back there to see my dad, I can tell you, he was worried. He'll be 83 in November. Two surgeons had already come in preparing us for the surgery. They spent one of them spent about forty five minutes going over the, all the information with him. He said, "Mr. Coo, you're ninety percent blocked in three valves and seventy percent blocked in one." He said, "I want to be honest with you. I want to be honest with your family. This is pretty dramatic. It's serious stuff." And so we got towards the end of that day, and the third surgeon, the head surgeon, by the way, who was as young as Brother Hubble's grandson here. I mean, Stephanie, when I saw that head surgeon come out here, I thought I was looking at somebody your age. I'm thinking, you're going to operate on my daddy. You should be riding a bicycle. <laughs> you have no business in this hospital. The older I get, the younger the doctors are. <laughs> and he comes in and he sits down on the bed and he says, Mr. Crude, he said, I, 
I've never seen anything like this. I'm talking about the lead surgeon at Chippenham Hospital. So I've never seen anything like this. He said, you, you, it's a mess. He said, I honestly don't know what we're going to do. He said, you're not going to have the surgery tomorrow, i tell you that. He said, we need a day. This team of surgeons needs a day to study what to do for you. And as he told my dad this, I could see the look of worry coming on his face. And as they came in and went over this, the problem is you have varicose veins so bad there's, there's nothing to work with. I don't, I don't know how we're going to get a vein to do it. And he began to tell us all of the problems and all of the risks. And so we just put it in God's hands. You see, there'll come a point in time in your life when you, can't, you just can't do this anymore. Come a point in time in your life where you're just overwhelmed and it could be overwhelmed by the unruliness of other people, but then it could come a place and point in time in your life where you're just overwhelmed because there is absolutely nothing in the world you can do about it. You are at the total mercy of God. You don't feel like doing this anymore. You just want to be held. And that's the way we felt. Oh God, hold us in the name of Jesus. And so... The next morning, our day started at 3.30 and we got to the hospital about 10 minutes to 6. And Danny and I and my sister, we gathered there with family and had prayer with him. And we had previously sang, holding hands around his bed, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Surgeon came in and about four hours later, he comes out to the waiting room where we're standing and he says this. He said, your dad was not 90% blind. He was 99% blind. He said his arteries were so small. He said, it's, it's, we don't understand why he's not dead. He said, we had to take a vein a little piece of vein here, a little piece of vein here, and a little piece. He said, we had nothing to work with. He said, we had to piecemeal something together to make it work. And he said, we were able to do the three that were 99% blocked. We could not do the one that was 70% blocked. But he said, that's the most insignificant one. And it was just... The next morning, I go into the hospital room. We're watching him as he's sitting up in a chair. Begin to weep a little bit. And he said, God is good. I walked out to the surgical desk where these surgeons, there were three of them sitting out there right after surgery. Danny and I, and sister and mother. And different ones were there. And I walked by. I had given these surgeons the day before the surgery a most unusual picture. I don't know how many have ever seen a picture of man's perspective of Jesus in the operating room standing in there with the surgeons, guiding the surgeon's hands. If you've never seen it, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I gave each one of those surgeons one of those pictures. And I said, this is my prayer for you. And they all said, thank you. 
when they took my dad out of the operating room into recovery and we had him stabilized and we were leaving for the evening, I stopped by the station and there was the head surgeon far left. There was another one here and the second guy who was the second lead surgeon. He was standing at the desk and he said, you know what? He said, we didn't expect it would go like this. He said, it's amazing. And I said, you know what? It's more than amazing. And he just nodded. He said, you're absolutely right. You see, what he couldn't do, God did. Sometimes in our older age, we might worry about these kind of things. But I will tell you this, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, how old you are. Your life is an earthen vessel. And you are here to be in the perfect plan of God. And it doesn't matter who the doctor is, what medicine it is, what illness you have. Listen, God's not going to take you home until his will and purpose and plan has been totally fulfilled and committed in your life. Let me say this, there's nothing any greater than to know that we're being held in the safe hands of God. I don't have time to finish this message today. Without question, there have been times in your life and my life that when we have been overwhelmed in the storms and the circumstances, things that we have absolutely no control of, they just show up. Most of you know that my dad is the custodian of the church and as bad as he was, on any given day, I could have walked in here in the early hours of the morning, found the vacuum running and him laying in the floor. The doctor said, it's just amazing. He's not had a fatal heart attack. Wherever you are in life today, listen, don't take one day for granted. Wherever you are in these circumstances, you might be overwhelmed. Don't take a day for granted. Spend every moment you can reaching out for the Word. That's how you become the person in the picture. That's how you become the person whom the Father is carrying. Reach out to the Word. Storms can come into our life through the enemies that we have around us or friends or our family by our personal aging. I don't know, but learn from those experiences. Let God move in your life and work with you. I don't have time to finish this particular sermon this morning. But I want to say this in closing. Sometimes storms are created by people around us. In David's case, some of his storms were created by his own family. Two sons trying to take his kingdom. Then he started being attacked with his age. Storms come into our life. And listen, these things were not petty things. It caused David to write Psalm 71. God, you're my refuge. You're my hope. I trust in thee. No matter what you're going through today, not, no matter how dark the clouds are, no matter how low the valley, I want you to understand something. When the devil comes your way,
And he begins to whisper defeat in your ear. And the devil comes your way and he begins to do these dark things, unruly things, and your, and your life is just one upheaval. Here's what you do. You can look the devil square in the eye as a child of God and say, listen, I don't have to take this. I don't have to receive this. I reject this in the name of Jesus. I am a born-again child of God. I've been washed in the blood. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm on my way to heaven. I've been sealed with the Holy Ghost of God. Listen, I don't have to take this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And turn whatever it is you're going through. You might not be able to take another step forward. You might be up in the loving arms of the Father. Thank God sometimes it's designed that He just carries us. Aren't you glad for those two nail-scarred hands that just sometimes carries us? Amen. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.